0: Good afternoon. Good to see you guys. Uh, we're going to be continuing with a series that we've been uh, looking at for the past several weeks about living the resurrected life. And when we look at the resurrected life, um, we've been basing it on this verse in, I'm um, sorry, it's not up here, John 11, twenty-five, 25, uh, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And we've been talking about how if we want to live the resurrected life, we're really seeking to live after Jesus's life, because he says, "I am the resurrection." Uh, last week, we looked at two verses in particular uh, that talked about what we need to address before we can start living the resurrected life. We have to deal with our old self first. So we looked at this passage in Romans 8:15. that says, "You have not received a spirit of slavery, Leaving to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Okay, so we notice that when we look at this verse, we see that Paul is pointing out that we have not received that spirit of fear, or not a spirit of slavery. And what we looked at last time is an orphan type of spirit. And then we looked at Galatians 5:1, where Paul says, "It's for freedom that Christ set us free." Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. We talked about how strange this kind of verse is on the surface, right? When we looked at this verse, it's saying, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. What other reason could there be for Christ to set us free than freedom? But when we looked at it closer, we started realizing what? We started realizing the reason he had to say this is because there is a tendency, even though we are free, and that we are new creations, to go back to our old way of living, to go back to being an orphan, to go back to living how we were, when we were apart from God, when we're alone and independent and without Him. It's easy to go back to living that way. That's what we found here in Galatians 5:1. The Jews were doing that. They're going back to depending on themselves and following the law, and we can do that too. We looked at different characteristics of the orphan. And today I want to give you a few more, okay? So here is a few more signs if we're living like an orphan, okay? So one of the first signs is tendency to focus in on the negative. And it's interesting how the Lord started pointing this out to me. Uh, Before, I kind of took it as a sense of uh, kind of one of my strengths is to be able to recognize obstacles, so recognizing things that are getting in people's way, lies that people are believing and trying to address those things and I found that this is kind of one of my strengths to do that. Like I can see and I can look at what's going on and point out the things that are blocking and point out and then the Lord said, "I think that's true, but I think it's also one of your tendency is to keep on focusing and recognizing the negative all the time." And the way he showed it to me was he says, when you are looking at a situation or you're praying, you're always focusing on what I haven't done yet. You're always focusing on what I haven't done yet instead of what am I doing right now or what, I ha- what have I done. So instead of focusing on what I'm doing now or what I have done, you're focusing on what I haven't done yet. And you're focusing constantly on the negative. What's not right? What's not finished? What's not accomplished? What's not done yet? What's wrong with the situation? What's the problem here? You're constantly focused in on what I haven't done yet. And you need to focus in on what I am doing and what I have done. You need to shift your mindset. The orphan is constantly looking at their lack what they're missing, what they're lacking, and being less than. The orphan mindset is always thinking about the negative side of these things and can't focus in on the positive things that the Lord is doing or has done. And we're totally missing those things. If our focus is constantly on those things, we're missing the things that God is currently doing. We're missing the things that he's already doing. We're constantly waiting. I know I fall into the trap all the time. Okay, my life will be good when this is done. Or my life will finally be good when this is accomplished. Or when this will happen. When I get this, or when I tackle this, or finish with this, then my life will be good. How, do you, how many of you know that's an endless cycle? Once that one thing happens, you have ten more things that are going to happen. And you're wondering, is this the life that God freed us to live, where we're in a constant cycle of waiting? We're just waiting to live a free life. We're waiting to live the resurrected life. We need to recognize when we have the orphan mindset. Are we always focusing on what's not yet? On the negative? Are we focusing on what God is doing and what he has done? Another thing is that orphans are always feeling restless. They have a feeling of restlessness. It's hard for them to stay quiet. Okay, and I I dealt with this for a long time. The Lord has been dealing with this with me. It's hard to be quiet, especially with technology. Technology makes it very difficult to stay still because there's a constant stream of things we can be looking at. There's a constant stream, like, I know the Lord is speaking to me this when, like, I would go and do, like, some errands and stuff. I go to the post office, and there's, like, a big old line. Okay, so what do I do? I pick out my phone, and, like, I do something, I check my email. I respond to different things. I, You know, some things might be good, like I'm reading the Bible or or whatever I'm doing on the phone. But whatever it is, I can't stay quiet. I can't stay still. I'm always restless. How is this a sign of the orphan spirit? Because the orphan is constantly striving. They can't be at rest and be under the covering of a father who takes care of things for them. Right, I know when I look at my kids, especially when they are young—maybe not so much now as teenager—but when they were young, right, when there was something that was scary or something going on, and that they would come to me or come to my wife, and then we would just hold them, they would be at complete rest. You know, when they were scared before, when they were frightened before, but they didn't have any care or concern; they were just at complete rest. Jesus was uh, the Lord is reminding of the story with Jesus. And Jesus is with his disciples, and then they're crossing the, the lake, and then there's a storm that's happening. So if you're familiar with that story, when that storm happens, what's, what is Jesus doing? He's asleep, right? And the Lord was telling me, this is how I want you to trust. I want you to trust that when, even when the storm is happening, you have so much peace that physically you're asleep. Jesus had so much trust in his father because before they got into the boat, the father was telling him, we're going to go to the other side and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. He already told him. He trusts him so much that even though there was a storm happening where the seasoned fishermen were afraid for their life, it was not a small thing. He was still asleep. And you might be thinking, okay, it's easy to be, go through the storm when you're asleep. You don't even see what's happening. But what happens when the disciples wake him up? When they wake him up, he looks at the storm and then he's still at peace. In fact, that's what he speaks, doesn't he? He says, peace, be still. How can he speak peace? Because that's what he's feeling. That's what he's carrying. He's carrying the Lord's peace, and that's what he's releasing to the winds and the waves. When we are feeling like orphans, we're constantly striving, and we feel tired. I know I do, When you're constantly striving, constantly feeling like you need to produce it, you need to do it, you need to carry it, you need to accomplish it, you need to fix it, you need to do this and you need to do that. When it's always on you, you're feeling like an orphan. That's the orphan mindset. Instead of like a child of God who feels like, no, I have a father in heaven who is in control. I have a father who loves me and cares for me. He knows how many hairs I have on my head. He knows everything that's in my heart, everything that I'm going through, all my needs, all my cares, all my worries, all the things that I'm going through. We need to recognize when we're having this orphan mindset. Third one, we're constantly focused in on tomorrow. We're constantly focused in on tomorrow. This is similar to what we're saying about not being able to recognize what God is doing today. Uh, the reason that the orphan mindset is constantly thinking about tomorrow is because they feel insecure and they need to stay on top of things to be in control. Okay? I don't want things to surprise me. I don't want things to catch me off guard. I need to be ready. So in the, on the surface, it looks positive. I'm a good planner. I'm a good thinker. I think about the future. And, and I'm not saying that those things are bad. Those things are actually good. People that have those strengths... That's good, utilize those strengths. But when it becomes too much, then we start adopting the orphan mindset. We always have to stay ahead because we need to stay in control. And that's the sign of the orphan spirit. Do I always need to feel control because I don't feel secure, I don't feel safe? This is what we need to recognize. Are we carrying these mindsets or the spirit of slavery like Romans 8.15 says? Do we carry this? So um, I want us to be able to, to see if we recognize this. And I see a lot of heads nodding when we're going through. I, I go through all of those. This list I have is not from the Bible. Okay, The idea is from the Bible, but that list is not from the Bible. That list is from my life. These are things I struggle with that God is pointing out. That's how I was able to flesh these things out and write these things out. All the stuff that we did last week, all the stuff that we're looking at this week, it's all from my personal experience. You're not alone. Okay? Even me, as a pastor, I struggle with this. It's okay. And like we talked about last week, it's expected. expected. If we're really born again and brand new, we're not going to know how to do everything. We have to learn and that's what we're doing now so i want us to look at again how do we deal with it when we have this orphan mindset when we have these different thoughts when we have these different tendencies you want to recognize when it's happening but after you recognize when it's happening what do you do with it in the past i would condemn myself i would beat myself up here i go again this is not right okay but we will have to learn a new way Okay, so the first thing you want to do is declare, this is who I used to be, but is not who I am now. This is who I used to be. That's part of my old self that we looked at Romans 6, 6, which was crucified together with Christ. This is who I used to be. Okay, that's important. You need to recognize this is part of my old self, who I used to be. Okay, next thing is this is what I've experienced and thought, not who I am. Okay, this is something that I've experienced or thought, but this is not who I am. Okay, we need to be able to separate. We need to be able to separate my ability to live out my new identity versus I'm not this person. I'm not a new creation. We need to be able to separate those two. Okay, so how do you deal with the orphan mindset? First, you need to declare this who who I used to be. Uh, This is what I've experienced and thought, not who I am. And thirdly, and again, we're going to keep talking about this, don't try to fix it. Don't try to work on it. We talked about this last time. Why would you try to fix something that's dead? Why would you try to repair something or work on something that God has crucified with Christ and gotten rid of so you don't have to deal with it any longer? We, can't, we have to avoid this tendency because if you're focused on the negative all the time, you think it's another problem for you to solve, this is a very easy trap to fall into is that you're going to feel like, I have this orphan mindset. I better work on it. No. Don't work on something that's dead. Okay? You need to recognize it, yes, but you need to replace it. Okay? And that's the last thing. You need to recognize it, but then after you recognize it, you have to replace it. Replace it with your true identity. That's where your power comes from. When you understand who you really are, then things will start changing. Then things will start changing. Let's look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. This kind of gives a summary of the things that we've been talking about, okay? So uh, starting verse 20, it says, But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Okay, so when we look at this passage, you notice that there's an exchange happening, okay? He's telling us in this, in this section, he's saying, recognize your old life, your former manner of life, recognize it. But what do you do? You lay it aside. And then after you lay it aside, what do you do? You change your mind. He says, renew, renewed in the spirit of your mind, in your thinking, change your mind. And then put on your new self. Put on your new identity that was created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. That's who we were made to be. Okay, so when we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 24, it gives a little summary of everything that we talked about before. Recognize the old self. Okay, recognize the orphan spirit. Recognize when you're thinking that way. Recognize when you're you're acting that way. Recognize when you're behaving that way. But then set it aside, replace it. How do you do that? You have to change your thinking. You don't have to change who you are. God already did that. You have to change what you're thinking about who you are. Okay? Let's look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 15. This will help us in changing our mindset. Okay? So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 and 22 says, For since by man came death, and by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Okay, so he's comparing, Paul is comparing two people. He's comparing Adam, and he's comparing Christ. And he's saying, you were in Adam. That's who you were. Now, you're in Christ. Okay, and it's really important that we recognize this, because we talked about this analogy of us being born again, that we're born again into a new family, that we're children of God. You need to recognize your old family, which is Adam's family. Okay, no pun intended. It's Adam's family. That's who... We used to belong in that family line, and now we have a new family line. We are in Christ's family line. Okay, this is important, okay? And you see this all throughout the Bible. So you look at the Old Testament. You know one of the most common names that God refers to himself as? One of the most common names in the Old Testament that God refers to himself as is, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Have you heard that? Many, many times. Hundreds of times, probably, he refers to himself, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He calls himself that even though they've been dead for thousands of years. He calls himself that in the kings and judges. He still says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, they were a long time ago. They were thousands of years ago. Why is he still referring himself to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why? I believe he keeps referring himself to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because we are connected. God is doing things through history and through family lines and through generations. It's hard for us as individuals, especially in the United States. We're very individualistic. It's just the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. Okay, That's our, new tr- that's our trinity that we work with. It's- we're very self-focused. We don't see what's happening in the bigger picture. We don't see how we're connected. In fact, we don't want other people to be going into our business. We don't want other people to be affecting what we do. We want to stay independent. We want to be separated. But guess what? That's not the reality. That's not the reality of what God intended that's not what the reality of how he works that's not the reality of how he operates he created us as a family that's all connected together that's why the bible bible refers to the church as a family that's why when we look at the family it's supposed to be a picture of of who of god that's who he's a picture of when we look at the family it's all connected we need to be able to see he's the god of abraham Isaac and and Jacob, he's the God that works through the generations. He's the God that works from one generation to the next generation. It's interesting because I remember one time I was spending time with the Lord, and I was thinking about this whole idea about family, you know, and how God was restoring my hope in family. And I shared before that I had gone through a lot of dysfunction and pain in my own uh, family, And I wanted something new. I wanted something different to experience. And the Lord said, um, you need to stop being an orphan, which is stop focusing on the negative. Okay? Because whenever I looked at my childhood, I only focused on the negative. And he said, start seeing what I was doing because I was still there. Even though you experience that, even though you experience discouragement, you experience a condemnation, you experience pressure, you experience like pain or being uh, un- unbelie- not believed in, and all these different things. Stop focusing solely on the negative. See what I was doing, and then he started showing me. He was there. He was working. He did start showing me different things that he was blessing me, that was a privilege, that was good. Then he started showing me, it wasn't just with my nuclear family, with my father, my mother, but it was with my grandfather. He told me, it extends out further, and probably further than that, that I don't even know who they are. I don't even know their names. But God was working in them too. That still affects me today. That God was showing me, he was showing me how my grandfather was the reason I became a pastor, that He was the one that spoke into me. He was the one that actually led his family, that eventually produced me, that God was showing me the reason I am who today was partly because of him. God is working through the generations. We have to not have the orphan mindset that can only look at ourselves, that's only consumed with us. We have to see that God is much bigger than that. God has a bigger mindset, a bigger perspective, that he works out bigger things that we're connected to. And if we don't see that, we're going we're to miss it. We understand that this is true, okay? We understand that, that things happen between family and gets passed along. You know how we recognize it? We understand it physically, okay? We understand it physically. You know, you get different characteristics from your mom and dad, okay? I was born with black hair. You know, I was born this height. I was born with certain eye color. You know, it's interesting because I have hazel eyes, okay, which is kind of unusual. And so people always ask me about my eye color. And so they ask me, oh, do you, does one of your parents like that? And I'm like, no. Do you know any relatives like that? No. Hmm what happened with you? What is something, something they didn't tell you really about? What, what happened with you growing up? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just kind of this freak of nature. Because <laughs> things get passed on. Because they couldn't see where I was coming from, they are like, what's going on with them? So we need to recognize, we can understand what this means physically, right? That we get things passed on. We have no choice I didn't, have, I didn't choose that. I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose my hair color. I didn't choose my eye color. I didn't choose any of those things. I, that was just inherited, and it was passed on to me. But the same thing that's true physically is true spiritually. When we looked at this passage here in 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about spiritually. Spiritually. I mean, physically, too. I mean, physically, we're related to Adam. We go all the way back. We're connected physically, but spiritually as well. We're connected together. And when we are connected together with Adam, we carry on his characteristics. And unfortunately, that means we're born as a sinner because we carry on his characteristics. Ever since Adam and Eve took of the fruit in the garden, they became sinners. Their identity has changed. And ever since then, we're drawing from a muddy pool. And we also carry that. But what this passage says is that we have a new family line. We're no longer in Adam's family. We've changed family lines. In order for that to happen, our old per, self had to die. In order to switch from one family to the next, we had to experience a death. That person who was an Adam died. That old self died. And now we're a new self. We're a new person with a new family line. And guess what? When you have a new family line, then you have new DNA. You have new characteristics. You have new things that you've inherited that you had no choice in the matter. You didn't try to work for it. You didn't try to earn it. You didn't try to become this. You didn't try to, to, to make yourself into this. Just like you can't make yourself into being Korean or, or, or any of these other characteristics. You can't make yourself become that. They were inherited. This is an important picture for us. We have to understand that our new identity, our new life in Christ, is inherited. It's part of our new DNA. If we don't understand this, we'll never be able to step into our new identity. Let's look at an example. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite passages. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, new creature. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. notice a pattern the old things have passed away the new things have come it's all throughout the gospel it's all throughout the new testament okay he says paul says if therefore if anyone is where is in christ that's where our new life is in christ that's where where our new identity is it's in christ it's in him we have his life and his characteristics and his identity we don't have our own life anymore Did you know that? When you become a Christian, you give up your old life, right? That's what it means that it was buried and dead. You don't have another life. You only have one life. Your life is in Christ, okay? And why am I emphasizing that? Why is it so important to understand that? Let's look look at this example. Okay, the Bible says many things about our new identity, okay? And we're going to look at more of these things in the future, but I just put down three, Okay, these are three things the Bible says is true about our new identity, our new selves in Christ. Okay, we're righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks, talks about how we were made to be the righteousness of God okay, because of God making Jesus sin for us. We are holy, 1 Peter 1.16. It says, you shall be holy because I am holy, because that's who I am. That's who you are. We are saints, Romans 1-7. Paul talks about the Romans church and says and refers to them, uh, these brothers and sisters in Christ, called saints. Okay, and we talked about this before. This is the, what the Bible refers to us as believers, as saints, not sinners. Okay, these are just three. Okay, there's many more. There's many more things that the Bible talks about in terms of our identity. I just want to look at these three. Okay, let's look at these three characteristics of our new identity. And I want to ask you the question Look at these three, and I, what I want to ask you is, do you believe that that's true about you? Do you believe this is true about you? Do you believe that you're righteous? Do you believe that you're holy? Do you believe you're a saint? Okay. Really think about it. Be honest. Okay. I'm not going to make you say that answer out loud or raise your hand. Okay. Just be honest because you know and then God knows, right? God already knows. There's no sense in trying to try to think of something different, right? So, be honest. Do you really believe this is true about you? Do you really believe you're righteous? Do you really believe you're holy? Do you really believe you are a saint? Do you really see this happening in your life? Okay. So, if you're like me, you have a you have a pause and you think, "Wow. I don't know about that. (laughs) I mean, I see the words written in the Bible, but how could that be true? How could I really be righteous? How could I be holy? How could I be a saint? Because when we look at those words, we have a picture of what that means. You know, you might picture Jesus for a fact. Jesus is all those things. He's righteous, he's holy, he's a saint. But me? When I look at my life, I don't see that. Right? this is where we need to renew our minds. This is where we need a change in mindset. The way we're looking at this is not right. We think our identity is coming from who? From ourselves. We're judging to see if we're righteous, holy, or saints by our actions. That's what makes me hesitant to believe this is true, because I look at my actions and I say, that's not righteous, that's not holy, that's not being a saint. I look at my life, that's not being representative of those things. I can't say that that's true. I'd be a hypocrite. And if it was based on you, you would be a hypocrite. You would be a hypocrite to say, I am these things, but you're acting totally different. If it, your identity was based upon you and your actions and your behavior and all of those things are determining your identity, you'd be exactly right. You'd have every reason to doubt. You'd have every reason to doubt whether you are a new creation. You'd have every reason to doubt if any of those things the Bible says about believers is true of you. You'd have plenty of reason to doubt for good reason. This is where we need a change in mindset. We don't have these characteristics because of us. We have these characteristics because of Jesus. Let me ask you a different question. Do you believe Jesus was righteous? Do you believe Jesus was holy? Do you believe that he was a saint? Do you believe that all those things are true about him? If you say yes, then that's also true of you. Because guess what? Colossians 3 says, Jesus is our life. He is our life. We have a new life in Christ, that our life is an expression of who we are in him. We carry his characteristics. Otherwise, there's no way the Bible could say we are holy, that we are righteous. How good do you have to be for this to be true? Tell me, if you're basing your identity on what you do, how good do you have to be to ever believe this is true? Could you ever believe this is true about you? If you're judging it upon your, your actions and your behavior and your performance, could we ever be confident in our identity? Could we ever say, yes, I am righteous. Yes, I'm holy. Yes, I am so humble too. Uh, you know, it's just, it doesn't sound right. We sound prideful. But that's not how God designed it. He gave us a new identity and a new source of identity. Before we were a Christian, you got your identity from yourself or from the world or what other people said about you. There's no other option. You don't have God in your life. You're not recreated. That was your source of identity. It comes from you and the things that you do and the things that you perform and the way that you act and the way that people see you, the way that people acknowledge you, the way the world sees you. That's your source of an identity before you're a Christian. That person died with Christ. We are resurrected and we are now new creations. New creations in Christ. Before we got it from Adam, we carried on his characteristics. We carried on his spiritual DNA. Now we're in Christ. We have new spiritual DNA. We have new characteristics that come from who? That come from Jesus. That's why he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am now your life. You're living out my life. Do you know the word Christians? Do you know the way that it had came about? Christians meant little Christ. That's, why, that's how the term Christians came about, is that they were little Christ. They were representative of who Christ was. They were living Christ's life. This is our new identity. We don't have another life. And the more we keep thinking we do, the more we keep thinking that we're orphans, the more we keep thinking we need to work on things so that we can become righteous, that we can feel holy, that we can be a saint, the more we think it's on us, the more difficult it's going to be. The more unsure you're going to be, the more of an orphan you're going to be. You're going to continually be insecure. You can't be secure if it's based upon you and your doing. God did not create us to get value from ourselves. God created us to get value from him. You don't determine who you are. No other people determine who you are. Your parents don't determine who you are. Your girlfriend or your boyfriend doesn't determine you. Your spouse doesn't determine who you are. Only God does that. He is our creator. Only he determines who we are. Only he determines our identity and our value. Only him. Other people can affirm that. Other people can support that. Other people can encourage that. But they can't replace that. They can't replace that. Our life and our identity is in Jesus. And we have to have a change in mindset that it's not coming from us and what we can do. You have to break this, and it's not easy. (laughs) So we will talk about this again in the future, but we have to have a change in mindset that we really believe our new life is in Christ. So as we close, I want to just have us close and have us make that declaration to the Lord. So Lord, we want to declare in faith that we are no longer slaves. We are no longer orphans. That's not who we are. That's who we used to be. We want to declare that that truth, that because of Jesus, we don't have to do that anymore. He freed us from that. Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. We have a new life that's totally dependent on Jesus. We have a new life that's totally dependent on all of who he is. That's not dependent on us. We have a new life that expresses him, his character, his joy, his righteousness, his holiness. We have all of that because we're in Jesus, not because of us. So I pray that, Holy Spirit, start getting those brain cells working. Help us to think that new way. Help us to reform our thinking to the truth of who you believe us to be and where our new life is. Thank you that we have it in Jesus, that he's our cornerstone, he's our rock, he's our fortress, he's our life, he is our everything. Thank you, Lord, for making it possible that we could live this resurrected, new, abundant life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.